Turn with me to Hebrews 12. Verse 28, Hebrews 12 and verse 28, we'll talk a little bit about the background of the preceding verses, but I, I just want to focus in on these two verses, and um, I, I was actually reading a book years ago by John Maxwell, and he was talking about people who sometimes will spend their whole life climbing the corporate ladder only to find out that the ladder was against the wrong wall. Uh, they, they spend their life pursuing a goal and find it empty and, and feel like, you know, what, what has my life been about? Uh, what is uh, my purpose? And, and, and there's, there's this sense of missing something. Well, I'm convinced that if you know Jesus Christ and you live for him and you put him first, you will not miss the purpose of your life. You will live for things that matter. Ultimately, everything in this world is passing away. It's all going to burn up. Uh, only those who, who know Christ and who love him and serve him will have lasting fruit beyond this life. Of course, there will be those who suffer in hell who don't know Christ. But, uh, but the things of this life, what we do for Christ, what we give to others, how we serve others, how we honor God and worship God with our lives. These are the things that last and ultimately that matter for eternity. Um, and so um, the scriptures tonight, he, he's actually reminding them of what God said to them in the book of Deuteronomy. God called them. He says, I want you to be circumcised in your heart. It's not enough just to go through outward religion just to have outward show, I want to be first in your life. I want your heart to be fully mine. And so he calls them to that. Now, as he talks about, the, the author of Hebrews, as he talks about uh, the wilderness wanderings of Israel, he calls their attention back to this time when God was establishing them as a people and he was calling them to put him first. And he says, God still wants your heart. God still wants to be first in your life, and um, and then uh, he he speaks about the blessing of the kingdom that we have, and uh, then gives some instruction. Uh, so uh, what uh, what matters? Living for what matters is what it's all about. And so uh, uh, we'll begin reading here in verse twenty-eight. It says, "Therefore, let, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken." Let us be thankful, or let us have grace, is another way you can translate that. Uh, by it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So living for what matters. We need to live for what matters through the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, you need to hold on to hope. He says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Um, so he's reminding them of what is coming in the future. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of that, don't we? We're not ultimately, as God's people, we're not ultimately living for what is here. We're living for what is yet to come. Uh, the people that we've reached for Christ, uh, 
the work that we do in building the kingdom of God and helping God's people, all these things are done with an eye to what is yet to come. And, of course, we'll receive rewards for these things, uh, but these are the things that bear lasting dividends, and, and we'll only truly recognize how great those dividends are when we get to heaven. Um, you know, I, I think of, of the teacher who teaches uh, uh, kids in, in a Sunday school class, and uh, I remember I remember we had this one kid in, in uh, class when I was a, a, a pretty small kid. I think I was about six or seven years old. And this kid was into everything. I mean, he was a teacher's worst nightmare. And uh, my mom had him in Sunday school, and she was so glad when he graduated to the next year because he was so hard to deal with. Uh, later on, he became a, a friend of mine in high school. And uh, when I moved back to this area, I thought, well, uh, I wonder how he's doing. And I, I, I looked for his name and phone book, and there was a, an ad for an attorney. And it was his name. That was the only one that I saw. And I thought, well, surely, surely that's not him. And uh, <laughs> it was. That little, that little kid that was the terror in Sunday school, it, he's, he's now an attorney serving, uh, and he goes to church, and he, he teaches Sunday school, and he is involved in the things of God. I bet a lot of those teachers thought, man, that, you know, who knows where that kid's going to end up. <laughs> That's probably not what they would have imagined him to be. But God is just that kind of God. And when we invest in the things of God, it's amazing what he can do with that investment. And so we, we hold on to this hope that we're looking beyond this life. We're investing in people. We're investing in the kingdom of God uh, because we're looking forward uh, to what God is going to do that matters for eternity. Uh, and so um, if you want to, to live for what matters, first of all, hold on to hope. Secondly, receive his grace. Now, my translation says, let us be thankful uh, and I, a lot of the translations translate it that way. But the word is actually more often translated grace. Now, we, we, we used to use the term, I don't hear it a lot anymore, but we used to say we say grace when we pray for our meal, right? We, we call it grace. That comes from this, okay? So uh, uh, even in the way we use it in English, is is that way. But uh, he says, let us have grace or thanksgiving you could translate it but I believe he's talking here about the grace and the ability and the power to do God's will because he's been talking about that all the way through the book of Hebrews he's been saying how do we how do we deal with this persecution how do we deal with this struggles in our lives we look to Jesus he is the one who gives us the grace that we need to face the things we got to face let us have grace. Listen, we need grace for every part of the Christian life. The scripture says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Uh, every, in our prayers, we need him. In, in our faith, we need him. I don't know about you, but my faith one day will be up here. Next day, it'll be down here like this. And, and without the Holy Spirit, I've got to, I've, sometimes I just got to call on the Lord and say, Lord, I, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I am struggling today. I, I just need you. 
I cannot live the Christian life without God's grace. And Jesus told us that, didn't he? He said, apart from me, you can do some things. Is that what he said? No, nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we need God's grace. We've got to receive his grace. If we want to live a life that counts for eternity, we need his enabling power to do so. It doesn't matter what you're doing for the kingdom of God, whether you're sweeping a floor or cooking a meal or telling somebody about Jesus or whatever it is that you're doing, uh, there are different ways of doing it, right? There are a lot of things that you don't have to be a Christian to do. Guess what? You don't have to be a Christian to sweep the floor. But if you're doing it for the Lord, there's a way you ought to be doing it. It ought to be worship, right? So we, we don't... Uh, you ever see somebody with a scowl on their face? You know, they gotta sweep this floor. You know, uh, <laughs> that's not the attitude that God delights in. Okay, so uh, He wants us to do the things we do as an act of worship, um, and so as as we as we have His grace, we can do these things. Listen, what if what if people forget to thank you? We ought to thank, we ought to appreciate people. We ought to be, be grateful, as you can translate that word that way. Let us have gratitude. Uh, but there are times when people will overlook you. And if you let that be the gauge of what you're going to do for God, you won't do very much for God because somebody, somebody will question your motives. Um, somebody will accuse you of doing something you didn't do. And, and all of a sudden, you'll have your attitude, you'll be all bent out of shape, and you won't be doing the things of God because you've allowed that person to be the measure of what you do for Christ. Don't, don't play those games. Allow the activities you do for God to be an expression of your worship for God. And guess what? If it's an expression of worship to Him, uh, it doesn't matter what other people think. Um, <laughs> it's like the, the fellow, he was praying, he said, hey, uh, his buddy said, hey, I, I couldn't hear you when you were praying. You need to pray louder so we can hear you. He said, well, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> right? So, uh, uh, not to, you know, you can pray loud and you can let people hear you. But, uh, you know, ultimately what we do ought to be an expression of worship to God. And then we know we're going to be rewarded by him. If my brother or sister in Christ doesn't see what I'm doing, Christ sees it. Right? And so I know that he delights in it, and, and uh, it's kind of like when my kids were little, and they draw me a picture, and, uh, and I'd be looking at it, I look like a bunch of scribbles, and I couldn't really tell what it was. I'd say, oh, I'd say, I'd say boy, that's interesting, what is it? And they would say, well, that's a horse. Oh, well, that's beautiful, I don't know struck down for riding, <laughs> but uh, it was beautiful to me in one sense because it was their gift to me, right? Um, and so um, when we, we serve the Lord, and uh, he just delights in that. Uh, so receive his grace so that you can serve him, and that we, whether you're serving, whether you're giving, um, whether you're, whatever it is you're doing, whether you're praying or singing or whatever, uh, it is an act of worship to the Lord. So, uh, living for what matters, how do you do it? Well, hold on to hope. Receive His grace. Thirdly, delight in His worship. We've been talking about that a little bit already, but look what he says. 
uh, let, as, I, as you translate, let us have grace that we may serve God acceptably. Now, that word serve there can also be translated worship. It's the same word that is used in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it says, uh, let this be your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship, as some translations translate that. Both ideas are involved. And it was a word that was used of the tabernacle worship in the Old Testament in the Greek translation of the Bible. Uh, and so it, it, it brings to mind the priest serving in the, in the tabernacle in the temple. It brings to mind the sacrifices that were given and, and this, this whole attitude of worship that was there. Uh, by the way, did you know everything that you do, you were, you were, we're to do to the glory of God, right? So if I'm out there working a secular job, I used to work at Hardee's. If I'm cooking a hamburger... I need to do it to the glory of God. If I'm frying the fries or cleaning out the fry vats, I used to hate doing that. Uh, I do it to the glory of God, right? It is worship. Everything I do, if I'm raising kids or whatever it is, to the glory of God. It is my worship, my service to Him. So let us have grace so that we may worship God, so that we may serve Him acceptable, delight in His worship. Uh, did you know that that is one of the things we're going to be doing in eternity, is worshiping God? He delights in it. He loves it. And, and I'm excited about it. You know, I, I love to sing and, and, and worship God and uh, there have been times that have just been sweet. Times in this, in this church, by the way, this morning was pretty good. I, I just felt the presence of the Lord in this place this morning as we were worshiping and singing to the Lord and uh, just so grateful for that. Um, isn't it going to be great someday when we get to heaven? And there is no barrier of sin and we, we cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus and we worship him. And we honor him for all that he's done for us. Um, if, if worship can be good here, if it can lift us up here, if it can bring joy here, what's it going to be like there? I, I'm ready to find out, Lord. You just, just come on back, Lord Jesus. Let's, let's find this out. And, uh, but, but we're to delight in his worship. And, and when we worship, we are doing the things of eternity and, and we're lifting up a, an offering and a sacrifice to the Lord. Bring the sacrifice of praise. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. There's a, a song that said that. But that comes right out of the scripture. The sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. When we tell God how great he is. When we thank him for all the things that he's done. We are delighting his heart. And he will reward us. The scripture says, him that honors me, him will I honor. And so we, we delight in this worship. Let us have grace so that may, we may worship him acceptably. Now, have you ever switched into autopilot in a worship service? I've done that. I've been leading music and done that. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, I have done that. And, and you're just saying, and you're not even thinking about what you're saying. 
Maybe you're thinking about, boy, that dinner sure smelled good this morning. I, I'm ready for it, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and, your, and your heart is really not engaged. God wants our hearts to be engaged. He wants us to delight in his worship. And, and I'll be honest with you, I remember one time I got, I got chewed out right before a church service. Isn't that fun? And uh, I was not here, okay, in case you're wondering. <laughs> it wasn't here. But uh, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I, was, I was on my way into the sanctuary, and somebody cornered me, and I, I don't even remember what it was about now. But I got chewed out. And, and you know how it is when you get chewed out. Nobody likes to be chewed out. Hey, and I was, uh, I was sitting on the front pew, and I was thinking, I've got to preach. You know, I'm mad. And, uh, and so I'm trying to get my heart right, and I'm just having trouble focusing. And nothing will kill uh, your, your heart of worship uh, than a, a bitter and angry spirit. And, and that's where I was. And I said, Lord, I just I can't do this. You're, you're just going to have to help me uh, with this. And, and so he did. He's good to do that. And um, I said, Lord, I choose to give this person and. Um, help me focus upon you. Help me focus upon you. And uh, and he did. And eventually, I I got past uh, those feelings. But uh, <clears throat> I found that in order to worship God and to be engaged in the way that I need to be engaged, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. And so I I'll, many times I'll come up here. And it's not that I've been chewed out or, or anything bad like that, but I just am having trouble focusing and being in the right frame of mind. And I just, I just pray a little silent prayer. Lord, just please help me. Give me your power so I can worship you. Help my heart to be engaged. And uh, <laughs> I, I remember one time I was, uh, I was a teenager, and uh, I, was, I was singing in the choir. It's a great, just a great attitude for a choir member. Don't, don't any of you choir members do this to Philip, okay? But I was sitting there thinking, boy, I just hate this song. I, I, can't we sing something else? I, I, just, I, I mean, I had a horrible attitude. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, can't you just focus upon the words and focus upon me and give me the attention I deserve? It's actually not about you. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I felt rebuked and I was and I said I, I confess that Lord I'm sorry and, and I began to try to focus on on him and and but you know we we do need his help we've got we've, we've, we've got so many issues sometimes when it comes to worshiping in the right spirit and if you travel to church with a family isn't it funny how fights happen in the car on the way to church it just seems to happen that way. I think the enemy knows it, and he's trying to disrupt the worship. Um, and and uh, it happens that way. But So uh, delight in his worship. And as you do, you're, you're living for what matters for eternity. So living for what matters. Um, hold on to hope. Receive his grace. Delight in his worship. Fear him in reverence. He says, uh, let us have grace uh, so that we may serve God acceptably with reverence 
and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. One of, the, one of the things about the book of Hebrews is he's addressing, he's addressing several different groups uh, in, in the congregation, but one of the groups he's addressing are those who are attending who don't know Christ. And he's saying, look, you need to recognize, he's been encouraging them, you need to trust Christ while you can, you need to, to choose to follow him while you can, and, and don't just put this off and allow yourself to be hardened so that you miss Christ. He's saying, look, you need to recognize our God is a consuming fire. Uh, I'm reminded of the Israelites in the wilderness. He just finished talking about the wilderness wanderings and uh, fire coming from the tabernacle to consume Nadab and Abihu. Um, Or how about the ground opening up to swallow Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and their followers? Serious stuff. Or how about the time they were bitten by snakes? God sent snakes among them, uh, and and they were bitten. And they and Moses, you remember the bronze serpent? Moses had to lift up the bronze serpent in the wilderness so they could look to the bronze serpent and be healed. But many of them died. You say, well. I thought we served a New Testament God of love. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The Old Testament God and the New Testament God are the same. God says, I, I'm, I'm not a man that I should change my mind. Uh, he's, he, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But there is a new situation. If you don't know Christ today, you need to be very concerned about the wrath of God and the justice of God and the judgment of God because it's a reality. Um, And and God has allowed you to make it this far by his grace. If you know Christ, though, you need to understand that there is a little bit of difference. I'd say a big difference between that time and our time. And that difference is because... God didn't just shake the the ground at Mount Sinai, right? Mount Sinai had darkness and there was thunder. This is a very good night for that because there's thunder and lightning. Kind of give you the Mount Sinai kind of feel. That was was what they saw. It was black. It was dark. And and the words of God, the Ten Commandments were spoken from the mountain. And it it was terrifying. The people said, please, Moses... You go up there. Don't let us hear the voice of God. We're going to die. We, we can't take it. You go up. Most like, gee, thanks. You know? <laughs> but you know, he didn't say that, but uh, that's probably what I would have said. Uh, anyway, um, this, this terrifying sight was not the only time God shook the ground. It was not the only time that darkness came. And that there was a fearful display of God's mighty power. It happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross. The sky turned dark. The ground shook. The rocks were rent. People came out of tombs. The Roman soldier who didn't know anything about Christ probably. uh, he's, He's just the guy that does the crucifixions. He's standing there. And he says, surely this man was the son of God. I, he, he, something's going on here. 
This is no ordinary man. When Jesus said it is finished and the, the ground shook and the, uh, all of these things were taking place, this guy's his mouth is hanging open. He's saying, wow, something has happened here. This is no ordinary man. You see, Jesus took the penalty that we deserved at that point so that we could walk in freedom and joy. Um, we come before his presence boldly. They didn't under the Old Testament. If you were the priest, you better go through the washings. You better have the right garments on. You better be prayed up and have that sin confessed and offer the right sacrifices because if you didn't and you went into the presence of a holy God, you'd be struck dead and they'd have to drag you out with a rope. It was a very serious business. Now, I come to my father like a little child running to its daddy. <laughs> and uh, it, the way is open. Jesus ripped the veil. He said, it is finished, and once and for all, the way to God's presence was open. The barrier of sin was gone. For those who trust in Christ, we can enter boldly with confidence, and we can pray knowing that we are already accepted, that the price, the justice has already been carried out, the wrath of God. Jesus, praise God, as a propitiation for your sin and for mine. He took the wrath in our place, on our behalf, and now we can enter with confidence and joy. But God does discipline his people. Discipline is a practical matter for a child of God God doesn't do it because he's mad at you he doesn't do it because he's giving you what you deserve because that would be hell and the, you know Jesus already has taken care of that um, but God disciplines us for our good so that we can partake in his holiness and so that we can walk in close and sweet fellowship with him but discipline can be very serious ask Ananias and Sapphira in their case, they were standing between the revival that was happening in Jerusalem and by their sin, they're lying to the Holy Spirit. They were quenching the Spirit of God. God struck them dead and took them out. The discipline, uh, if, if they were believers, and I think they, they probably were. I'm not sure about that, but if, if they were believers, they went to heaven, but God took them out early. Why? They were standing in the way of things in the church. Uh, many times I, I have, have heard about situations where uh, God has disciplined. He's done that to me. He's disciplined in me in my life. But uh, I remember uh, hearing about a man when I was growing up who, who was a singer in a gospel quartet. And great, great bass voice. Uh, and, uh, but he was a womanizer. And he got throat cancer. And he prayed and he said, God, he said, if you'll heal me of this throat cancer, I will never commit adultery on my wife again. And God healed him in his mercy and grace. A couple of months went by. He returned right back to his old way of living. My dad went to the hospital 
And he told my dad, he, he, told, he, he called my dad, and he said, he said, Larry, I believe I've sinned a sin unto death. And my dad said, well, confess it. God will forgive you. And, and I'm sure God did forgive him. But God took him home early because he was a reproach for the cause of Christ. So it could be a serious thing. Um, and we need to, there needs to be a reverence for God among God's people. I think we ought to have freedom and joy to be able to lift our hands or clap or uh, shout or whatever we want to do. But there also need to be those times where we are awed by the greatness of who he is. Where we're amazed by his majesty and we come down to our knees and maybe even put our face on the floor in just sheer awe over who he is in his greatness and his holiness and his power. I think the church in, in America has lost that sense of awe at the majesty of who God is. And so uh, he, he calls to them, he says, in, to the church um, addressed in Hebrews, and he says, look, he says, in order to worship God acceptably, you need to understand that um, he is who he is. He's God and we're not. We don't command him to do our bidding. I see these people on TV. Well, I name it and claim it. I God got to do it. And I, he, he. No, he doesn't. He's God, and we're not. He's the sovereign, almighty God who controls the galaxies by his power, who tells the ocean how far he could go. Do you think he's intimidated by somebody who's pounding on a Bible somewhere? He's going to do what he feels like he needs to do. Now, you come to him in humility, and you call upon his name. He is moved by his people, and he loves his people, and he often responds and gives us what we ask for. But don't think we twist God's arm. We don't. He's God. He's, he's sovereign. He is majestic. Just to give you some idea of his servants, they speak so loudly that the ground shake. Ezekiel tells us about it. He says these, these great mighty seraphim, these great powerful angels that are surrounding God's presence and they're veiling the glory of God with their wings. And um, <clears throat> he said when they spoke, it was like the sound of many waters. Have you ever just heard a deafening waterfall? Or been in the center of a storm and all the noise of the waves and you can hardly hear anything. This is what the voices of these beings are. And they are at God's beck and call. That's how powerful he is. So, we're not to, to live our lives presumptuously. Uh, to have a fear and an awe of God is a good thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, uh, we don't live with, we're not paralyzed with fear, but we do know that if God needs to discipline us, he will. Okay? It's kind of like, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I knew. I knew my dad loved me, but I also knew if mom told him what I did during the day, you know, I, I did a lot of, 
talking with mom. Oh, mom, mom, oh, I, I won't do it again. Please don't tell dad. <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, those dreaded words, I'm going to tell your daddy when he gets home. And, but we got sober real quick because we knew what was coming. If she told dad, the backside was going to be charged up. There was a fear there that was a healthy fear. Listen, we ought to serve God because we love him and we delight to serve him. But a lot of the time we're not there, right? There are times, I have, to, I have to confess to you, there are times that I'm not delighting in the Lord. There are times I don't want to serve him. Have you ever woken up and you thought, you know, I just don't want to have my devotions today. I just don't want to do this. I just don't want to do that. And, or, or perhaps there's a, there's a temptation to sin. And the fear acts as a barrier. There's fear, okay, I know God will discipline me for this, but there's also fear, where's this going to go? If you read Proverbs, you know, you make some of these decisions can affect the course of your life. And so you've got to, you've got to have this healthy fear, and it acts as a barrier in your life. And so, anyway, um, so there's a balance between freedom and joy in worship, but also reverence and awe in worship. And I think both things are legitimate. Usually what the church does is they emphasize one or the other. You've got uh, the uh, more Pentecostal flavor that emphasizes the joy and the freedom, right? Well, you know, this, you know we need to celebrate and have a good time. Well, then you've got your, your uh, Presbyterian, some of your Baptists uh, who, who say, Hey, don't you smile in church? Don't you know we're in the presence of God? And, and, and they're, they're so somber that there's no, there's no uh, joy, there's no uh, levity at all. You know, just kind of, you know. Um, you could go to excesses in both, in both ways. The balance that God desires for us is to have both freedom and joy and fear and awe. And uh, that uh, will produce the kind of worship that God desires. For our God is a consuming A lot of things are used as symbols in the Old Testament, but uh, this symbol ought to make us want to tell people about Jesus. Because, you know, the world might say, well, you know, loving God wouldn't send somebody to hell. And I don't believe he does. We send ourselves through our choices uh, to sin. But it is true that God is a God of wrath. He's a God of justice and a God of judgment. Uh, the soul that sins shall die, the scripture says. Uh, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Listen, we ought to have compassion on our friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus. We ought to pray for their salvation. We ought to tell them about Jesus because there is a literal hell to shun. God, apart from Christ and apart from a relationship with Christ, God is a very dangerous thing to a sinful human being. He's a consuming fire. So, if you want to live for what matters, fear him in reverence. Have a reverence and an awe for who he is and live your life in light of that fact. 
because of the greatness of who he is. So living a life of what matters, um, hold on to hope, receive his grace, delight in his worship, and fear him in reverence. And as you do these things, you will be helped to live for things that matter for eternity. Uh, my dad used to have a, uh, a thing hanging on his wall in his office that said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us live lives that matter for eternity, Lord. Help us have a right view of you, to have an awe of you. But uh, also, God, let us delight in our worship of you and help us to live our lives in everything that we do to bring glory and honor to you. Uh, Father, give us the grace that we need to live for you and to make these, these uh, eternal differences and through our obedience to you. And uh, Father, um, as we do these things, God, let us have crowns to cast at the feet of Jesus. And, uh, and Lord, if there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night where they say, tonight I choose to turn from my sin in my own way to follow Jesus. I receive his eternal life. And, and uh, Lord, if someone needs to do that, help them do it tonight. We pray in Jesus' name.